What is going on, New York Giants fans? Welcome to our final episode of 2022. My name is Tom Scavetta, joined alongside my co-host for the evening, Hank and Dichter. No Sam Cardona tonight. She'll be back next week. Uh, we'll be happy to have her back. But Hank, how are you doing tonight? I'm uh, doing pretty good and, um, you know, f- still feel a little bit bummed over that loss to Minnesota and for reasons that I haven't really been pissed about in a long time with regards to the to the Giants. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, Tom, we have a win and are in game. Can you imagine telling me that before the season? I know I've said it many times like on the show, but I need to keep emphasizing it for those who keep trying to bring up negative points about the Giants because it truly is worth mentioning. And Tom, I I don't know about you, but this has been one hell of a ride for sure. And I feel like they're only going to get better within the matter of a few years. Absolutely. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Winning in situation this weekend at MetLife against the Indianapolis Colts. We've seen quotes from all the Giants coaches this week, Brian Dayball, uh, Wink Martindale. And uh, folks, before we dive into the key takeaways from the Vikings game, a quick reminder, if you're new, make sure to check us out on all of our social media on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Big Blue Avenue. And if you're wondering where the hell I am tonight, my background's a little different. I'm in Florida for the week, and I have... My uh, parents' pool in the background, and I have a nice little uh, Christmas gift that I want to show off. Hey, KT. Thibodeau jersey, the color rush Kayvon Thibodeau jersey. So very pleased to share this with all of you here tonight on the show. Um, quick reminder as well, this show is sponsored by BetUS. You can sign up with our promo code below at join125 if you like your sports betting. They are the place to go so giants little slip up to the minnesota vikings on christmas eve 27 to 24 and we're gonna go over our key takeaways hank but first and foremost i know you and i were both a little bit busy as this game was going on and if anybody has comments on this game feel free to comment them for us in the comment section below we'd love to hear from you um also leave a like if you can it helps with our facebook algorithm i personally think what we learned from this game hank not only did the giants have a legitimate chance to win the giants can hang with teams like the vikings and possibly even the 49ers if they are to make the playoffs and i really think it's starting to show how uh far along this team has come since training camp, since preseason, since week one at the start of the season. And Daniel Jones had his best statistical game to date in 2022 on Saturday. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I mean, look, I think my biggest take, one of my bigger takeaways besides that is, and to piggyback off what you said, I don't know about you, I want another shot at the Vikings because, look, All year long, I kept having to eat crow to you when you told me that the Minnesota Vikings were going to win the NFC North. And look, I had every reason to feel like it was the Packers, but at the same time, I'm also going to give you credit where credit is due. But that's not really relevant for right now. The At the same time, the Vikings are 12-3. and They had some really close wins. And I would say this this team might be considered Cardiac Kids 2.0. For those old enough to remember the 1980 Browns, you'll know what I'm talking about. 
But with that being said, this game also reminded you why the Vikings, despite being 12 and three, have only a plus five point differential. And one reason being is the Giants were still in this game, even with all the, the mistakes they made. You had that block punt, you had the drop by Richie James, you had the fumble by Daniel Dollinger. And even in all the circumstances, Daniel Jones still found a way to tie this game and keep the Giants in it. If that does not tell you that at the very least, Daniel Jones needs to keep his job in 2023, I do not know what it says. But again, like I said, I want another shot at this Viking team because I think the Giants would probably have the same shot at possibly pulling off the upset, if not maybe a better shot because now they've seen them and you know that Brian Dable is a good coach and he is good at adjusting to a lot of these teams. So I think the Giants, if if they can't beat them in the playoffs in a playoff game, I think at the very least they can give them a scare. I do too. I was very impressed with Daniel Jones. I think he's legitimately earned himself a contract extension with the New York Giants. And quick comment here from our buddy David Yates from across the pond, wishing us a merry Christmas, uh, David, thank you so much. Hope you and your family had a Merry Christmas um, as well. And Happy New Year to you. Uh, this is our final show of the year. So we're we're very excited to have you back in the comments section. I know it's been a while. Giants can play with the big boys, but we need to keep the pass rush healthy and keep DJ upright. Yes, and that starts with guys up front like Evan Neal, Andrew Thomas, Mark Lewinsky, and John Feliciano, who had a putrid game, in my opinion, a couple holdings on him, a couple false starts on Evan Neal that I did not like. Um, Hank, not only did Jones prove to me that he's worthy of a contract extension, I think Aziz Ojolari and Kayvon Thibodeau, whose jersey I'm donning tonight for the first time, uh, those two guys continue to prove that they are the future of this defense, right? Because right now you look at Julian Love, I argue that Landon Collins is leading the linebacking unit, and he was just elevated from the practice squad quite recently. Um, by the way, Collins did have a great game, but um, this defense leans off their edge rushers, right? Dexter Lawrence still okay. playing on the fifth-year option next year. He'll be re-signed, I'm sure. You have Aziz and Kayvon there off those edges. That's the bread and butter of this Wink Martindale defense. Yeah, Absolutely. I completely agree with that. And let me share another takeaway I have for you. And let me go back to the offense for a little bit, because I think besides Daniel Jones, the other player who really stood out to me in this game was Isaiah Hodgins and eight catches, 89 yards. And I believe he had a touchdown too. He did. In my opinion, this was his best performance for the New York Giants, but the reason that I have Hodgins as a key play, uh, player in my key takeaways goes beyond what he did this game because, in my honest opinion, he has also earned a spot on the roster for 2023. Yeah. And I don't know that you can really debate that because his performance has steadily improved over the course of the season. And Tom, I sent you guys this tweet, and I'm going to read out these numbers for you right now. I know where this is going. <laughs> so let me, let's me let look at Jerry Judy, Isaiah Hodgins, and Kadarius Toney. 
shall we? So Jerry Judy in 13 games with the Denver Broncos. He's had 780 receiving yards and six touchdowns. In half those games, Isaiah, Isaiah Hodgins has had half, about half that production, 350 yards and three touchdowns. And then, of course, you have Kadarius Toney, who in five games with the Chiefs has a measly 82 yards but has still been able to score two touchdowns. But at the same time, I think you know what I'm, where I'm going to go with this. Yep. Joe Shane has done an excellent job with wide receiver. And I think, and Tom, this might sound like a stretch and I might sound facetious, but I really think Isaiah, getting Isaiah Hodgins was better than any possible quick fix slash uh, glorified band-aid that Shane could have gotten as a wide receiver. I'm with you. A hundred percent, 110%. The dude and he got him. him off the cheap because he saw him as a dive in, in a rough with the Buffalo Bills. Well, he helped draft them. Yeah, he, he did. Exactly. Being draft a kid. And to be honest with you, he'll be on this team next year. He might even be starting next year. Who knows? What's up, Garth Michael Patrick? Hope you're doing well. Rags, Bolts tonight. That is right. LGR. I like Isaiah Hodgins a lot. Um, you know, he's been really good. David brings up a good point. Gates needs to go back to center and Bredesen in at guard after that Feliciano performance. I think Feliciano needs to be replaced, David. The good news is Feliciano is only on a one-year deal. Him and Gates are both up for contracts at the end of this year. I think you re-sign Gates and let Feliciano walk Ben Bredesen only in his third NFL season. So I think he can start at left guard um, next year if the Giants are unable to replace that position, which I do think they'll try to upgrade. But I'm fine with Bredesen and Gates and Glowinski in the interior. Um, I know Glowinski has his shortcomings at times, but he is an above average run blocker. And one takeaway I will take from this game TJ Hawkinson exploited this defense. The tight end curse is back. I mean, the Giants lost Tay Crowder to the Pittsburgh Steelers off waivers. So, you know, his time with Big Blue is done. So you're now left with Jalen Smith, fifth-round rookie Micah McFadden, and Landon Collins. And Collins made a nice pass breakup against Hawkinson, but Hawkinson had 13 catches in this game, Hank. 13 catches and two touchdowns. Unacceptable in pass coverage against that tight end. Why am I not surprised? And this is a guy who was considered to be like a blocking tight end too, no? Yes. Yep. As they, well, he can catch passes. He's very, I'm not saying he's bad at it, but he's a guy that's primarily a blocking tight end. And it's why I saw some people finds a hard time for drafting him at, in the top 10 and makes it look all the worse for them trading him. Not long after that. Absolutely. Quick comment here from Kevin Hodgins is playing really well. Hope he's back next year. I believe he will because he has he was drafted in 2021, I believe. So he has two years left on his rookie contract. So the Giants could have him before paying him for another two full seasons if Hodgins continues to play well. And Mike DeSanto, what's up, Mike, fellow Giants fan um, and co-host of Four Corners and the Cinco Squad podcast as well. Can we finally admit Danny has done enough to start next year? Um, Hawkinson was a pass catcher at Iowa. Yeah, he's a little bit of both, Mike. I think in the NFL he's transitioned into 
more of like, I'd say a richer version of Daniel Bellinger. He is one of the top tight ends in the league. Um, I will say that, but back to Mike's point on Dan- on uh, Daniel Jones, Hank, I think it's time to reveal our New York Giants player of the week. And it is none other than Daniel Jones. And why don't you take us away here? Um, Sam made this lovely graphic for us, but why don't you break it down and pinpoint to the fans why we picked them? So as you mentioned, shout out Sam on this excellent job on the graphic. And we're sorry that you couldn't be here to join us on this episode. But anyways, let's talk about Daniel Jones. Tom and I mentioned earlier on that this was one of his best statistical games on the year. And I strongly agree with that statement. And let me give you those numbers too. He went 30 for 42 with 334 total passing yards, one touchdown. And look, yes, he did throw that interception, but let's be honest. He hasn't thrown an interception in a while. And you knew it was, you knew an interception like that was bound to happen. So in fact, I would say he was probably that interception was probably the least of their mistakes in the game. But in any event, he also was sacked three times, but again, that's not his fault. That's an offensive line problem. And he had a 92.8 passer rating, which is definitely some great numbers. And in addition, he had four rushes for 34 yards. And Tom, I don't know about you, but I thought some of those rushes were pretty clutch too. And with passes of 10 plus yards, Jones was eight for 12. And in addition, he went two for three on passes that were 25 yards or more. So I don't want to hear this narrative that, oh, Daniel Jones is a game manager and can't throw the deep ball. Tom and I have already gone over that the limited amount of talent at this wide receiver core is pretty much the reason why you don't get to see much of the deep ball. And we've also reiterated countless times that Dable and Kafka can only really work with what they have. But in any event, he also has an 86.8% adjusted completion percentage. And like I said, that interception was his only one that he'd thrown since November 20th. And on the year, 3,028 passing yards, 13 touchdowns to five interceptions, 617 rushing yards and five rushing touchdowns, 74.9 PFF grade on the season. And, Generally speaking, I'm not the biggest in terms of PFF, but if you look at the eye test, what has Daniel Jones proven? You can with games with you can win games with him. And I cannot stress that enough because the Giants have had their their fair share of limitations. And the fact that he's still getting the job done really shows you the amount of growth that he's had. And look at the circumstances into where he grew to. He has had to deal with numerous head coaches, numerous changes of systems, and now I think he's finally in the right one with Brian Dable. And again, whether he's the long-term answer or not, that is a discussion for maybe a later time. But at the very least, I cannot stress this enough. You have to go into 2023 with him as your starter, without a doubt. And... And if I really wanted to give you the Cliff Notes version as to why Tom, Sam, and I all agreed in Daniel Jones being the player of the week, it's that last drive. Down by eight, you gave up a back-breaking touchdown to the Minnesota Vikings. Daniel Jones found a way to bounce back and tie that game. Enough said. Uh, And I think not having Wandale has hurt him a little bit, and he's Mm -hmm. one of three quarterbacks in the league this year with over 3,000 passing yards and over 600 rushing yards. The other two are Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen. 
Um, you know, so we're not saying this guy should be the starting quarterback in 10 years from now. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is he deserves to get a legitimate wide receiver in here, a legitimate line, see what he can do. Look what Jalen Hurts has transformed into this season. You know, look at the development Josh Allen has had under Brian Dable. Daniel Jones deserves that opportunity as well because of the strike. He's two for three on passes of 25 yards or more. And he's throwing to guys like Richie James and Isaiah Hodgins down the field. But let's get into our week 17 transactions, folks. And uh, a quick reminder, we will be having a guest joining the show shortly, Spartan Mike from New York's Giants Rush. I'm very excited to have him on. We had him on once last year. So a couple moves. Giants signed linebacker Jared Davis off the Detroit Lions practice squad, and they placed guard Shane Lemieux on injured reserve with a toe injury. Um, Shane Lemieux will miss the rest of the season playing in just one game for the second straight year. It's not a good look for him as he'll be entering a contract year next year. Jared Davis, um, as I mentioned, signed off the Lions practice squad. He's a former first-round draft pick back in 2016, spent five of his first six seasons with Detroit, and last year he played for the Jets. He has 50 career starts with 327 tackles. So he's been um, a guy who can start for you for some time now in the NFL. He's played in three games for the Lions this season. And former first-round pick, there is potential there. And as much as I hate to say it, it was time for the Giants to just let Tay Crowder go. Hank, he wasn't cutting it in pass coverage anymore. He did a lot of good here in New York. He exceeded expectations. But I'm kind of glad the Tay Crowder experiment is over as he did get claimed by the Pittsburgh Steelers yesterday. Um, It's just he wasn't a scheme fit. And I think you want to try Jared Davis, a guy who's a veteran. He's been around the block a few times. Landon Collins knows, uh, you know, some players on this football team. And he is a good player that can get adjusted to this Wink Martindale scheme. The one other move that New York made was waiving Chris Myrick, who happened to re-sign to the practice squad today. He did clear waivers. They claimed guard Wyatt Davis from the Arizona Cardinals, likely the Shane Lemieux replacement. Davis is currently on the 53-man roster. And some good news, Hank, for the Giants secondary, Dory Jackson is practicing on a limited basis. It is looking, it is trending upward in terms of him playing on Sunday. So how excited are you to potentially have a Dory Jackson back? Oh my gosh. If we can get a Dory Jackson back, I think that definitely would help because like we mentioned, the secondary is absolutely paper thin. I mean, when Mm -hmm. you have guys like Cordell Flott and Fabian Moreau as your best options there, that's not great. And I think getting Xavier McKinney back too, that could also be a potential game changer. And, you know, as they say, excuse me, it sounds like it would be cliche, but it would be like getting a big player like off a trade guy coming back off the injury reserve like so yeah. late in the season. Yep. Um, also, Xavier McKinney was activated from the non-football injury list today. He's running out there with the scout team, folks. I'll just make this statement. McKinney's not playing this week, and I doubt he'll play next week. There's a bigger chance he'll play next week, but um, I do think that X is likely being saved for the playoffs if the Giants get there. The Giants are getting healthy at the right time 
in this secondary. And Alex Rinaldi with a comment. What's up, Alex? Um, new commenter here. I don't know if I've seen you before, but appreciate you commenting. Uh, what's up, guys? Go Giants. Yes, um, if you're a diehard Giants fan, you've come to the right place. Really appreciate you, Alex, with the comment. Um, but, Hank, let's get into our Giants-Colts preview. And it hasn't been a very successful run against the Indianapolis Colts for the Giants. It seems like ever since Eli Manning took over as quarterback, the Giants haven't necessarily been well-equipped to play these Colts. In fact, the Giants are favored by six points at home in the home finale, which kind of scares me just a little bit because of the law of averages points to the Giants, Hank. The Giants are 4-3-1 and one at home this year. The Colts are just 2-5-1 and one on the road. But let me be clear when I say this. You cannot look past this Indianapolis Colts team. No, and, you know, I'm going to say the same thing that I said when talking about the um, the Houston Texans. I feel like this game is a test, really more in the sense that, you know, the Giants, uh, they fe- they – had a bit of a rough stretch, which, listen, for all those who were complaining and, you know, saying, oh, the Giants are who what they thought they were, we knew this was going to happen eventually, did we not? Yeah. Now it's up to the Giants to bounce back against a team that, on paper, they should be able to handle their business with in a game that's, you know, for, for uh, the playoffs. And, Tom, I'm going to be honest with you. This is also a must-win game. And why do I say that? I don't care that the Eagles could have potentially wrapped up home field advantage. You can't assume that they're necessarily going to just take the Giants lightly. They could probably want to throw us out of there for, like, the sake of the rivalry. Remember two years ago when they pretty much threw that game just knock us out of the playoffs? Yeah. Are you are you that comfortable with the idea of playing a win and go, a win and get in game against Philadelphia? Yeah. Nope, not at all. They have to win this game. I think if they don't win this game, the season's over. Um, although the Giants could get in if other teams lose. So the playoff scenario is looking upward for the Giants. But if you want that sixth seed, you have to win this weekend because I don't see the Giants necessarily winning next week in Philly unless um, you know the Eagles are to sit a bunch of players and they have that one seed all wrapped up. But we do have a few comments here in the comments section. Uh, Sean Militello, what's up, Sean, from Off the Dome Sports? Appreciate you. Danny Dimes, is he the future? Hank, on the count of three, say it with me. One, two, three. Yes. Yes. He is the future. Uh, not going to go out on a limb and say long-term future, but he's at least the quarterback for this team for the next two to three years, in my opinion. Um, he has the ability to extend that as well um, or shorten that. Who knows? Brian Corzin with a comment. Thank you very much, Brian. Must win game. Luckily, the Colts are a dumpster fire. So much hype about blowing them out. We tend to not live up to expectations in games like this. Well, look what happened to the Minnesota Vikings two weeks ago. They were down 33 nothing at halftime. I'm sorry. Jeff Saturday, who cares that he only has high school head coach experience? When it comes to football, Jonathan Taylor on injured reserve out for the season. Nick Foles threw three picks last week. They don't even have a quarterback. I don't care, Hank. The history is not on the Giants' side in this rivalry. And, in fact, it's been 20 I, years since the Giants have beaten the Colts. 
I don't know if I'd call it a rivalry, but it is a semi-rivalry. Well, it's more the Manning rivalry, I should say. But Well, actually, it goes beyond that because the Colts lead the all-time series at 12-7. and seven. However, you'll notice I put an asterisk on that for two reasons. Number one, I usually don't like including the histories of a team of a franchise that moves cities. So obviously when I say 12 and 7, I am including the matchups that the Giants had against the Baltimore Colts. And the other reason that I have an af- have an asterisk there is cuz the first time the Giants ever played the Colts was actually not the Colts that you know. There was a team in 1950 known as the Baltimore Colts that was part of the of the AAFC, the All-America Football Conference, and they were one of three teams to merge in the AFL, or in the NFL, rather, but they ended up folding after 1950, so the Colts that we know of that became the Baltimore Colts didn't come until 1953, and that was after the Dallas Texans got bad and folded. So those are the two reasons why I kind of have an asterisk on the Colts' 12-7 and record. Now, And also, I should mention that the Giants and the Colts have played each other in back-to-back NFL championships. If you know your football history, you know about the so-called greatest game ever played. I wouldn't say that necessarily is the case about that game, but it is the most, it is one of the most iconic in the sense that it got pro football on the map. And it, most made, the NFL, yeah. it made, it made the NFL essentially what is, is today, if, especially if you look at how the butterfly effect turned out. And I think over the course of the next few decades, it became as popular because of that game. But anyways, um, Five and three, though, if we're only going to count Indianapolis and since the right. Earth has pulled the Mayflower out of Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, you, you knew I was going to go I, there. I, I knew that was getting thrown in there, but, um, man, let's just talk about the Kerry Collins history, though, man, because that, that's really the only positive history we have against this team as of late. We did beat them in one of our Super Bowl years, fun facts. 1990. Oh, twenty-four right. to seven at yeah. the Hoosier Dome. Dave Duerson, who also was on the '85 Bears, had a fumble return touchdown in that game. Another historic fact. But <laughs> yeah, everyone talks about you know touchdown passes, this and that. In 2002, when the Giants beat the Colts and Kerry Collins had that monster second half of the season, Collins only had 19 touchdown passes that. 4,000 yards. Daniel Jones isn't far off from that mark. He has 13 through the air and five through the ground. So that's an 18 total touchdown passes that are in his hands. So you can't necessarily hold that against him, in my opinion. But Hank, we know about that perfect passer rating game and uh, a young rookie in Jeremy Shockey. Yeah, according to the announcer, David Gibson still wants the truck number that ran him over because I. Yeah. Every time I look at the highlights of that game, obviously it was the carry. That was one of Kerry Collins' best games of giant, and in my opinion. I'm going to say his second best game as a Giant because I think you know where I'm going to what I'm going to say is number one. That's not even a debate. Uh, the Vikings but, game. Oh yeah, easily. But I think the other highlight was that was one of Jerry Jeremy Shockey's better games because he slowly got better over the course of that season. And once he wanted the ball more, like credit to him, he uh, backed up his talk and he got better as the season went along. Had that big touchdown catch a year a week later against Philadelphia. Now, his attitude, we can – that's another story, but <laughs> definitely one of his better games for sure. And once again, I hope David Gibson still isn't looking for that drop number. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of history behind this series. Uh, Giants have lost four straight games, including the two Manning Bulls. Back in 2018, you remember the Giants lost a heartbreaker by one point. Um, 
Little did we know that that game would be Andrew Luck's last home game. That's right. I remember he retired after that, and everyone was, like, stunned. And the Colts haven't really found a viable quarterback replacement since. Foles got sacked seven times on Monday Night Football. He threw three picks. Um, They don't have Jonathan Taylor. They don't have Shaq Leonard on defense. I mean, they're relegated to Michael Pittman, who was contained very well, and Jelani Woods, their tight end, who, you know, quite frankly, is a really good rookie red zone target. But when you're 0 for 10 on third down against the Chargers defense, that has been great over the past two weeks. But the Chargers defensively, they can't stop the run. I mean, they have a lot of the same issues that we have. You know, it was the Colts defense that really kept them in this game. The four sacks and the two turnovers they forced, you know, it is a little concerning. They did hold Austin Eckler to under four yards per carry. So despite this five game losing streak, the Colts have still stayed in games and they've done a good job stopping opposing running back. So I'm interested to see if that happens with Saquon on Sunday. But, you know, on New Year's Day, I should say, but. Um, all right, a couple more comments here before we uh, bring up our guest who's backstage. Very excited to chat with him. Uh, Noah Dibler, um says Colts will get boat raced. I'm going to guess he's back. That's very dangerous to say. That's very dangerous to say. Um, this is not one of those games where you, you can overlook this Colts team, but um, – I'm confident the Giants could win the game, but I, I unfortunately know I, I don't think a boat race is, is happening. <laughs> Never. I'm going to say this too. And my old friend, Brian reinforced this with his comments. Never, ever, ever assume the Giants will win a game. Even if the, the team is like, Oh, and 15, never, ever, ever assume anything with the Giants. I, I agree wholeheartedly, but um, oh, one more here. Oh, no. Hashtag boat race. Yeah, we have to come up with a term for that in the dictionary. But uh, without any further ado, let's bring up our guest for the evening. He's been on once before, Spartan Mike from New York Giants Rush. Mike, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Appreciate you. Tom Hag, man, it's it's great to be back. I know I was around here this time last year and, you know, in much better spirits this time because, of course, you know, we have a chance now to uh, seal the deal and make the playoffs for the first time in six years. Uh, long overdue for the Giants. I mean, it's been very, very tough. I know teams go on six-year, you know, have gone on worse playoff drafts, but, I mean, this one feels particularly bad because of how awful we were. We never even really breached that 7-9, 8-8 eight, eight area. I mean, it was 6-10 and 10 at best. Uh, so I'm doing good. Christmas has been good. I, uh, you know, fortunately, uh, I got to spend a lot of time with the family. And uh, again, appreciate you guys having me. That's awesome. And we're looking forward to chatting with you, uh, as always. Um, See, so you're wearing, uh, is that Michael Strahan? This is my Christmas gift. As I said, this is Michael Strahan. I love it. I love it, Hank. We're both repping. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, same position, but this just came in the mail. Uh, nice. Before Christmas, the Kayvon Thibodeau color rush. So That looks fantastic. It's a sharp looking jersey. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. This is only my second white jersey I've ever gotten. Yeah. So who was your first white jersey? It was Victor Cruz, Super Bowl 46 jersey. Interesting. Ooh. All right. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Mike, uh, for those who are new, may not know who you are. Sure. Uh, why don't you uh, 
plug yourself and where people can find your content over at uh, Giants Rush. Absolutely, guys. I mean, I'm, so I'm with New York Giants Rush. Uh, I was brought onto the platform about a year and a half ago by uh, Craig. Craig's the guy who runs it. Uh, and we do also, I mean, obviously, we mainly focus on the Giants. But we're branching now that we got Nikki and we're doing fantasy. We're doing, you know, betting advice uh, and everything like that. We're going to do a draft show in the offseason. So, you know, I'm generally on every other Tuesday, but I'll also be on every Thursday. And me and Truth, uh, you know, I'll host the show, but Truth is really the expert there. And he spends a lot of time breaking down these these players. Uh, so lots of exciting stuff. Follow me on Twitter. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, and that's pretty much it. We're trying to expand on other platforms, but it's uh, – it's it's like we've been on Twitter so long. It's it's very difficult for us to like learn how to how to you know uh, make magic happen on Instagram. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right? That's <laughs> you're that's right. That I like Damn to straight. use. But, uh, all right, Henry, um, you are. I think we're gonna go you and then me. Right? Is that how we're gonna do this? Just making sure. Uh, yeah, I believe so. So all right, I think this question needs to be asked and. Uh, Let's go, Mika Zibanejad scores a goal, one nothing Rangers. Uh, how does it feel to be in a position where the Giants can clinch a playoff berth for the first time in six years? This is absolutely incredible. Quick story, I got a last-second Frontier flight. I live in Chicago, got a last-second flight out to uh, to New York. I'm going to take my dad out to the game uh, and because I'm just so excited. It would be a fantastic uh, finish to this year if the Giants make the playoffs. Because I'll tell you what, guys, you tell me how you feel. I don't care if we win a playoff game. I and mean, if we lose one, so be it. We didn't expect to be here right now. It means a lot to the fan base. We've been suffering for quite some time now. And this would be absolutely incredible if we can, you know, just seal off the Colts uh, and, and take Golden and go into the playoffs. If we lose the Colts, I know we can still make the playoffs, but it's very challenging. And it's also still defeating no matter what at that point. Yeah. And like I said, if we get into the playoffs, it wouldn't really feel the same if we got a backdoor party invitation as opposed to handling exactly. business ourselves. But yeah, to piggyback off what you're saying, like I keep seeing a lot of people comparing this team to 2016, and I hate hearing those comparisons mm-hmm. for this reason. I mean, if you look back at 2016, that was a team that was essentially a last-ditch effort to get Eli Manning that third Lombardi ring. And that was a team where look, Jerry Reese essentially spent money like a drunken sailor. Just he poured his soul into it. Yeah. He was, I mean, yeah. he was about to get fired. He sold his soul. Yeah. And this was essentially like a last chance team. Like, right. I mean, I know we had hope going into 2017 and I don't really want to bring back any of those bad memories from that year, but <laughs> we really, we really had false hope that that was a chance. And that was really a bunch of veterans this year it's really all about getting a young core in the playoffs and getting them that first taste of what winning football is like. Right. So I really think and everyone's like, I keep getting the question, is it going to be a success or a failure if the giants make it or don't make it? I mean, I probably still would look at it as, as success regardless because they won yeah. eight games and they exceeded my preseason win expectation total. But Getting them into the playoffs is that one step to teaching to really changing the culture of a young football team, in my honest opinion. I, I'm totally with you. Look, I mean, I'd still mark the season's success. I mean, I think Vegas had us uh, as the the over under was like seven seven games, so we won eight, yeah. which is better than we've done in any other year. And we got to that mark before we got to the 17th game. Uh, so this has been, you know, definitely a good run. And as you're saying, we have a lot of guys on rookie contracts that are stepping up and delivering value. Dexter Lawrence. 
he was okay the last few years. He was a good player, but now he's a stud. Uh, and that that's what we needed from a lot of these players. Uh, and a lot of guys are stepping up. Secondary, I, do, I thought that was going to be our worst unit. It still needs some work, but they're playing formidable defense. They're doing a decent job of covering. Yeah. I will say this. A lot of this comes down to coaching. I think Dable and Wink have specifically done a very good job of improving this team and getting the best out of their players. And Dable set the foundation day one when when they went for it, uh, went for two against the Titans. And then, you know, we all know what happened next with the Titans trying to kick that field goal. But, like, when we watched that game, we felt the difference right there. Like, we felt that there was a like, there's going to be uh, some some winning ahead, right? So it's definitely been a successful season. The only – it's still going to leave a bad taste in the mouth if we don't beat the Colts, though. I will say that. Like, if our last two games, the 49ers – and the Chiefs. I mean, we'd say, all right, well, you know, we got this far. That's fine. But you, you got to beat the Colts at home, I feel like. Yeah. To answer your question, Mike, I agree. I just want to get in. But I think if we go back to Minnesota, there's a chance we could beat them. Obviously, we need San Francisco to leapfrog them right. to get that matchup. But right. um, people are saying there's a better shot. Minnesota jumps Philly, which I don't think is – Possible, I don't really. think that's going to happen. No, I don't think it'll happen. But if Philly wins this week, that's it. They're the one seed. But um, yeah, I mean, look, you're right. I think there's a lot of uh, positivity to build off of, and I think a lot of that has to do with the quarterback play as well. You know, totally. it's improved, and the coaching has helped. Jones has helped his own case. I think a Definitely. lot of people mm-hmm. who weren't on board with Jones last year. Um, I wouldn't say definitely not all, but I'd say a, a good chunk of them are on board with him this year. Um, I would my agree. question to you, Mike, is does he get that contract extension? I mean, pretty impressive performance against Minnesota. He's had definitely. a good season. What do you think? But you know what? You know what? One of the biggest value adds is because everybody, everybody who's you know big against Jones, and I've I've gone back and forth on certain things about him, but my stance yeah. is this: you know, somebody tried bring him bringing up. Um, uh, Matt Ryan's stats and comparing them, putting them, you know, as, as if they were similar players. And sure, their stats are similar, but the one right. big difference here is Jones does not turn over the ball at all. And that in its own has been extremely impressive because that's very hard to only have five turnovers uh, throughout the entire season. And that's the thing. We're not, you know, we'll have some drives that end, but nothing's ending in complete disaster. Yeah, you know, he's not throwing picks, you know, at the wrong side of the 20, and then we're giving up points that way. He's playing very consistent football. What I would like to see in the future out of him, and obviously this is going to take better receivers, he doesn't have that yet, is a few times a year he's got to have those crazy numbers. And not just yards, but he's got to put up three or four touchdowns. Just a couple times a year. I just want to see it happen. Does he get the contract this year? Probably, because you have to consider the alternatives, and there's not really that many. I highly doubt that any of these rookies are going to step up and guaranteeing we bring that value that we would need out of franchise quarterback and let alone put them in a better situation anyway. I don't think the Giants are completely ready for a rookie quarterback. Uh, and then when you talk about free agents, I mean, I, I don't think anybody could uh, would be a better option than Jones, uh, mm-hmm. especially, you know, like, like Carr is the one that some fans are bringing up. I, I'm not so – like, if you're not convinced that Jones is the guy, how are you convinced that Carr is? And it's been nine years of football out of him, and, and he's okay, but I can't imagine him hoisting a Lombardi. Mm-hmm. No. So I think he gets the I think he gets the extension. The only thing that can knock him out of it is price. If he asks for too much money, uh, that that could that you know that could impact that. Yeah, and the game winning drives too has been very key for me. Even though you know, and this is my thing with Jones too. I don't know if you feel the same way. Um, Hank and I have talked about this in the past. 
the reason why they haven't taken deep shots in a lot of these games, it takes these receivers longer time to get separation against these DBs. And the offensive line um, is much better in run blocking than they are in pass. We've seen that. um, Especially Evan Neal. He's night and day with run and and pass. I'd say both guys on the right side of the line. Um, One of them, which you and I both predicted the Giants to land back last January, if you remember that. Glowinski, um, right? Yeah, that yes. that was that that was the one. And then when it happened, I read and I'm like, Mike said, "Oh, Mike said the same thing." That was pretty cool. But um, <laughs> I still see the screenshot in my mind from when yeah. you that, Tom. I yeah. still I, think alike. That's yeah. it. <laughs> but what about Saquon, Mike? Uh, how do you feel about him? Fifth year again, um, fourth most rushing yards in the league. Yes. Um, you know, leads the team in receptions as well. I know a lot of these passes are short to him, but, you know, he seemed – him and Jones, to me at least, they seem to be inseparable. Like, those two guys are, are leaders, and it's very tough for me to justify letting one of them go when the team is trending in the right direction and you've set you set a foundation with both of them. It just sucks because we know a running back's life shelf and we know the cost of potentially paying a running back, but the problem is – Saquon's not your ordinary running back. You know? He's not your ordinary running back. Everybody says that running backs don't bring the value, and if you look at the average, that's correct. However, Saquon's a little different. He brings a lot of impact to the Giants, and most of our drives, you know, especially the game-winning ones, obviously a lot of that is, is Jones. He's making great decisions. But, I mean, Saquon eats up a lot of yards on those drives as well. And if we lose him next year, that's going to significantly impact this team no matter what. So they're going to have to figure that one out. I mean, the – the, the, the only alternative is, I mean, because money's obviously going to be a factor here, right? I mean, if we sign both those guys, that's going to tie up just about all the assets that we have in the free season. Maybe room for, you know, a couple more guys. I know we can cut uh, Galladay after the uh, June 1st and get uh, $13 million there. So the the only other alternative, and I'd, ha- I'd hate to see it happen, but if the Giants do lose Saquon because the money doesn't work out, uh, is get a running back in like third round third round pick. Some, somewhere mm-hmm. around that ballpark. Use the Tony pick and just get a uh, running back then. I think rookie running backs have a lot of impact. They come at a relatively cheap uh, price. Um, and there's always options available because a lot of the times these teams aren't willing to spend a first on a running back anymore. I Actually, before Hank gets to his next question, so would you say it's more likely Jones stays than Barkley if, it, if you had to pick one, if it came down to it? Totally. Now, again, it depends on money. If Saquon's doing team friendly and Jones isn't, then Saquon stays. Yeah. You know, Jones is going to be uh, a battle in the works to get a contract signed. Uh, but at this point, I, I'd say so. With a quarterback uh, uh, consistency uh, thing, it, it's definitely more of a guarantee. I feel like that we get Daniel Jones back because the issue with Saquon is not just, not you know, Again, he's very talented, but I mean, if he gets hurt, I mean, we're we're out for a lot. And he has been hurt frequently, and that's the unfortunate reality, as you kind of mentioned with running backs. And I just feel like they're going to be in a little bit more of a race to kind of secure a quarterback than they will the running back. Again, would hate to see it go. Really hope they can get get both guys and continue to build this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, 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 there's definitely going to be some challenges this off season. And if anybody had to go first, uh, it, it, it might be Barkley at this point. Yeah, that's a that's definitely makes sense. But I think you guys know I'm a little bit more on the uh, Daniel Jones train for guys who I think the Giants should sign. Tom especially yeah. should know because like we both been Daniel Jones supporters. Like I kind of leaned. I don't know that he's necessarily the long term answer for sure. But with that being said, I definitely think 
you got to keep him around for the next few years. He he can win I'm you with games. You. The, the be- I, I think don't the- know if he's like an elite quarterback is all. No, I hear you. I think the best thing the Giants can do is like, look, I mean, you get him for a few years here. Obviously, we're spending money, but you know, if the Giants at any point along those few years find a quarterback they fall in love with that falls in their lap in the draft pick, well, go ahead and get him. I think that's the best yeah. thing to do, and I actually think it's more beneficial if you look back at Rodgers uh, and you look back at – I'm going to try, try to go through the list here – Mahomes – uh, and actually Brady technically too. I think it's better if these rookie quarterbacks get a year where they sit the bench and don't immediately face that New York City pressure. Because then by the end of that one year, they're hungry to, to go out there and compete. Like they don't care about the media. They're just like, all right, just, just give it to me. But you know, yeah, Eli, two thousand four, same way when we had right. when we remember when we had Kurt Warner. Right, right, yeah. Remember that? Uh, he, uh, you know, Eli probably could have just sat that entire year. It, truly i mean he got the experience but then 2005 came around we knew that we had a good quarterback in him right uh and 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 that's what this sets up it, you can almost look at it because i'm not gonna say jones is a bridge qb he's better than that it'd be similar to alex smith with uh washington uh i'm sorry with kansas city there before mahomes came on that's a situation that they could set up in the future uh but again if if, if jones does have that elite you know explosive play that we need uh then then screw him we keep we keep on to him and we didn't sign him for 250 million it'd be great yeah, definitely. And hey, 2005, that's one of the first Giants memories that I actually have. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, me too. That's funny you say that because it's like they were good that year. And it's like, uh, I mean, I was 11, uh, nine years old. And, and it was like, all right. Oh, well, same age. Perfect. Same 96 age. 96 um, is I love it, man. Yeah, no, for sure. But um, anyways, back to my question before sure. I reminisce about the good old days. Um, <laughs> offensively, who is a guy that you say needs to step up in order for the Giants to win a playoff game if they can pull off what? seems like the impossible but there's really no such thing as impossible if we look at the nfl playoffs i i hear you i i think i mean step up i mean like look i i want to say evan neal because obviously he's he's the most detrimental person out there i think he's got the most potential i don't mm-hmm. don't worry he's gonna be fine in the long run i'm not worried about that but like mm-hmm. him on the field right now is a liability so it's it's, it's kind of him uh but if it comes to just cleaning up their act i'm gonna say richard james he's got to stop dropping the balls yeah. oh that's a good one I mean, if he doesn't drop that ball, I mean, Jones has like over 350 yards and the Giants right. probably win the game. Right, right. I mean, we're talking 20-yard passes that he's dropping here, first downs. I mean, this that that is a difference maker when it comes to success. And I, I know it was Christmas Eve. I missed the 33-yard play. Were his feet actually in on that play? Because I, I know Bob Papa was saying that one was, was that, that From him, what I saw, that was driving and listening to it. Okay. Um, I wasn't sure, but I mean, he has been a problem. He has been a problem this year. Right. And again, it's one of those things where, I mean, sometimes he does make really good plays for us, but you know, it kind of reminds me of all those other Gettleman era players where it's like, sometimes they bring value and then other days are just completely, you know, uh, going negative on us and, and, and having a negative impact by being out there. And that's the frustrating thing. It's like, you know, we, I don't want any more of those players. I want guys that are consistently doing their job. They don't have to be all pros, but like if the mm-hmm. ball's in your hands, catch it. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's what we definitely need out of him because that's extending drives right there. And that's what Hodgins is doing, you know. And Right. Um, I follow the Giants YouTube channel closely, and Hodgins, it's not just the play. It's the leadership all of a sudden. Right. It's come out of nowhere. I'm like, yep, this guy was really good. Um, 
couple comments here. Brian says, this is what happens when practice players are put in key spots. Brian brings up an excellent point. I was oh, actually yeah. just thinking that we were talking about this on the show the other day too, because Hodgins and James have been put out there now. Like they've gotten better as football players because they're putting the opportunity, uh, given the chance now uh, to, to, to play in the games, regardless of how talented they are. And for a guy like Hodgins, I mean, it's done, it's done wonders for him. And he's a good player. I do. I, I would not want to get rid of him. Yeah, I think he's a second-year guy, so he'd have two years left under his rookie deal with us, and that would be awesome. I mean, that, totally. that's just that's, uh, awesome to even think about. Let's go Giants. Shout-out Kenny Marshall. Yeah, Kenny. Thank you very much for the comment. Um, now, Andrew Thomas going up against Yannick Ngakwe, who we all know is a fierce edge rusher for the Indianapolis Colts. Sure. And then Mark Glowinski, the former Colt, going up against the Forrest Buckner, who he's practiced against in the past. What do you think of those two matchups? Because I think those two matchup, those two matchups are going to determine a lot in this game. Thomas has given up just 19 pressures this year. Um, oh, wow. Leonard Marshall's – oh, that's right. You guys um, you guys interviewed oh Leonard Marshall, right? We did, yeah. We had Leonard Marshall on the, on the podcast yes. around February Leonard last year. Oh hey, what's brother. going on, man? What's up, wow. Kenny? Thank you so much for that comment. Um, yeah. Appreciate you. Any questions you have for us, we'll be happy to answer them. But, Mike, back to that point, not to digress. Those two matchups in particular, I think, are going to, to determine a lot in this game. Um, what do you think of Thomas and Glowinski this season? Because those are the only two guys that have started every game for us consistently right. at their respective positions on the line. I so I think, look, I think Thomas can seal the deal. I mean, we've gone up against some phenomenal edge rushers. It's never really them that 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 gets to us. Like it's never, it was never Aaron Donald every time we played him that got to a quarterback. Right. The issue for the Giants uh, is always like somebody random kind of coming in and having an excellent day against us. I'm forgetting who the Cardinals player was. Who who was it for the Cardinals that had like five sacks against us? Reddick. Reddick. God Almighty, I remember that. He's on the Eagles. Uh, in, in this situation, I'm way more worried about Lewinsky against DeForest Buckner because here's a situation where he's also on that side of the ball. Yeah. And, you know, I, I totally see a a very good chance that Lewinsky and Evan Neal are going to screw up the coordination or the assignments and DeForest Buckner is going to blow them up and, and, and get to Jones. That's what I'm most worried about for this game, actually. You know, I, I say this. Giants need to score 20 points. They've got against good defenses. They're, they're, not, they're not completely shut down by uh, good defenses. You know, they did good against Washington. They're relatively comparable. Uh, but they're going to have to put up 20 points, and that should be enough to seal a victory for them. I happen to agree with that, too. Glow scares me a little bit in pass pro. I mean, we brought him in for run blocking. I think he's a poor man's Kevin Zeitler. I think we could say Agreed. that. Um, yeah, Hank, it's, it'll be interesting. I know you're a big Andrew Thomas guy. As a oh, player. absolutely. You're Very big Andrew Thomas guy. I think he stepped up so much. And I Thibodeau stepped up because of going up against Andrew Thomas in, in practice. Yes, quite mm-hmm. frankly. And you know, I've Tom. You know, I've been on record saying this all year, but I truly believe Andrew Thomas is the offensive MVP of this team. Mike, tell me, tell me if you disagree if, at all. <laughs> tell me to I mean, wise, I, I'd have to argue in favor of Saquon. Yeah. I, I mean, I know, I know, it's the bias towards the skill positions, but, but you are right. Like pound for pound. Play for pay, play for play. Andrew Thomas is doing an incredible job. He is. 
pay for play. That sounds like uh, the sports. Yeah, that, that's 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 on the late night channel. I shouldn't be talking about that on here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I am um, definitely. I think really, really, both of them go hand in hand. But totally, this, I am somewhat biased towards Andrew Thomas, and the reason I say that was because. Look, I was involved with football. I didn't play, but I was like the manager. But I remember when sure. one of my assistant coaches back in high school used to tell me all the time, you can't have a solid running performance without a strong offensive line. So that's – You bring up a good point. It pretty much – listen, that coach has shaped me with a lot of things. That's one of them. Yep. Yeah, well, we saw with the Giants. I mean, there's that's the one position consistently the last decade that they have always struggled at. And this year has been better. I know Jones has gotten sacked a lot. I get it. I get it. But I, I, I can't sit here and say this offensive line is not better. Evan Neal is the one that's giving up the most sacks right now, but he's he's the rookie that's got to work on the footwork, and he will, and he'll get better. So I'm not worried about that. But, you know, we we, we have more surefires at offensive line, I feel like, than any other team, uh, than any other team in the past 10 years. Yeah, definitely. I would have to agree with you there. And, um, Tom, I don't know if I'm a uh, – jumping ahead of you with uh, your term, but you are not. No, if you were the giants GM and you're going to address the team's top three needs in the off season, and I don't mean to sound like I'm getting ahead of myself here, sure. but it's definitely something to think about once the season ends, what are the biggest, the three biggest needs and where would you rank them? Order of operations right now is wide receiver. Cause we are ranked 32. We are absolutely pitiful at this position. They mm-hmm. need somebody. They need somebody. Yeah. And they actually they probably need two guys. They're probably going to have to draft somebody, and they're going to have to sign somebody because we need like a one and two. Uh, yeah, maybe Hodgson steps up in that role. Uh, that'd be great. But uh, for the time being, I, I got to look at it how it is. We need two guys, a wide receiver. Uh, interior offensive line is the next. Uh, that's definitely an area of position that we need to upgrade. I think that Thomas Bredesen, uh, he's fine. Uh, Nick Gates, you know, I want to bring him back and see if he improves after getting back from this injury, right? I think he's just a little bit slow to get back to it, uh, keep him at center. Uh, but then, you know, this is an opportunity to draft and perhaps sign another guard uh, to give depth uh, for Glowinski uh, because uh, this has been extremely disappointing with him. I know we're out $7 million on him a year. After offensive line, I'm going to go inside linebacker because we need somebody – I don't think middle linebacker is the most important position on defense, but I mean, when it comes to the run game, I mean, we definitely need somebody in there. That's like Martinez. that's stuffing the run and preventing those extra yards, mm-hmm. uh, you know, big carries. Cause we're giving up a lot of yards to running backs when we play them. Yeah. Those are all good ones. I, I think corner too. As like oh, maybe number three. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, cause I mean, there's a lot of DoorDash players on this defense, you know. There, there are, there are. We get hurt. I mean, things get bad. Although every time, I am always a little surprised by how well the team performs. Yeah. At in the secondary, I think. Like Moreau. Yeah, like they're just doing a very good job of of stepping it up this year. But it, you're right; it doesn't mean that we can't use more talent there. I just don't think cornerback is that position where it's like, uh, you know, we upgrade that. And we're instantaneously like a much better team. I think wide receiver and and guard, even if we get up to average, like 16 out of 32 mm-hmm. teams at those positions, I mean, we're looking at a very good football team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, your um, point on interior O-line too. I mean, I think they paid Glow the money. He'll probably start again next year, but I do like your point. Give him competition, make him earn it. 
Uh, yeah. You know, Ben Bredesen will be on a contract year next year. So that's another guy. And like you said, we don't know. Nick Gates and John Feliciano are both up for deals. I think only one of them comes back. I would hope it's Gates. I would hope it's Gates, yeah. Those two. Feliciano gets me very, very mad, Mike. He's awful. <laughs> yeah. He's so bad. He's not a center, too. He's a guard. That's his natural position. But He's not even good at bat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he did come over with Brian Dable from Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Brian Dable and this coaching staff, um, how do you feel – I know you touched upon this in one of your first yes. statements, but how do you feel they've done with a roster that lacks depth this year? Because let's look at the Jets, for instance, right? Mm-hmm. Roster-wise, talent-wise, I feel like the Jets are better than the Giants, but they're missing oh, that. A couple, hole, couple holes on the Jets. They have a couple areas of serious needs, but it's like very specific. They have a lot of like Pro Bowl-capable guys. So what do you think? Again, this team, it's a similar roster that, yeah, I, that the coaching staff last year had. Um, because mm-hmm. I, how do you think they, I mean, eight wins, that's a big accomplishment Huge. for a team that we weren't sure if they would win four or five again. The mo- the most impressive thing about the coaching this year is that second half offense. They turn it around and they turn into something. Their in-game adjustments mm-hmm. are the best that I've ever seen. And that takes some really, really good coaching. And this is where Dable is really showing, you know, how good he is and how good of how big of an asset he's going to be in the long run. Uh, he's getting the most out of the players. They're finding ways to position them. A lot of this falls on Wink as well. Uh, and I also like the aggression. Like, they are taking a few more shots, even though we're held back at receiver. He went for two against the Titans. I don't think Judge would have done that. I think he would have gone for one. And to be honest with you, I think if he went for one, tied it, the uh, Titans kicker would have been a little bit more relaxed out there. And I actually think he would have gotten the uh, the field goal I'd rather them be a little rattled out there. So I love that play call. Uh, and, and again, the that's pretty much it. It's like the in-game adjustments is what he's killing it at. We're doing great against people or teams that are of our competition level. Anybody that's just as good as the Giants or worse, we've beaten. Or in the case of the Washington, it's a tie. We have lost some games this year, but they're generally the pretty good teams. Uh, Seattle at home, they played a very good game that day. That was going to be tough. Uh, it, it's just been a very impressive run by the Giants, and and truly, the coaching is excellent. I will say this, though. I'm, I'm not sold on Kafka yet. I agree. I think first year as OC, give him another year, but if it's it, – it, it is a little conservative and a little vanilla at times where I kind of wish Dable was calling plays, but I'm kind of happy he isn't uh, as well at the same time because I think he's able to focus more. But between those two, I'd rather have Dable call plays, obviously. Yeah, it's really about the, the play sequencing. like, And especially the, the area of frustration in the offense has been when we get to – we get past midfield, but we're not close enough for a field goal. We struggle in that so much. And yeah. and when he gets there, it's been very consistent with what he does. Either he'll do run, 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 or pass, pass, pass. Or he's trying plays again that just do not work, such right. as, I mean, screens. they got to give up on it. It, it. We have never been able to run a screen since Tiki Barber. Like, they just got to stop. the only team that can't do it. <laughs> I know. But when teams do it against us, I mean, oh, man, that, that ball's oh, gone. Yeah. Well, we, essentially, we lost on a screen. It was a wide receiver screen. To Jetta, yeah, to Jefferson. Yep. And they go yep. in and they take the field goal. But. A nice 61-yard burger. Nice. Yeah, that's – I mean, hell, our own kicker did it to us like six years ago. So, <laughs> if, yeah, yeah, yeah. If we can't beat them, sign the dual contract. Absolutely. But 
Mike and Hank, let's get into our keys to the game. And Mike, we'll start with you as the guest. Um, what's one thing the Giants must do to beat the Indianapolis Colts this uh, Sunday? They can't. They can't afford any mistakes on offense. They can afford sacks. They're going to give up a couple, unfortunately, but they cannot afford turnovers. And the Giants have been pretty good this year of not turning the ball over. Uh, they can afford perhaps one, but what they have to be past the fifty. But if they turn over the ball at the twenty yard line, it's going to be very challenging to come back from that. I am not excited. I know a lot of teams are just putting away the Colts. I get it. Offensively, they're looking very weak. That was a home game they played, and they you know multiple interceptions, but. What if Foles doesn't have those interceptions? You know, I, I I do wonder, you know, what kind of drives they would have gotten out of that. Could they have put, scored a touchdown? Could they have scored two touchdowns? I don't know. No, they can't afford any uh, mistakes on offense. That's that's the big one. And then on defense, just continue to do what they're doing. Just shut them down, get to the quarterback. Uh, I would perhaps be a little bit less blitz-heavy than they were last week against the Vikings. Just you got to have one guy back there in case there's an emergency play. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I like that point a lot, Hank. Do, I, I, I do think the turnovers thing is going to be huge because the Colts did force a couple by the Chargers last mm-hmm. week. But uh, what was your key? My key to the game, I would have to say definitely you want to – I would say definitely establish the run game early. Yes. Not so much because the Colts are not great at stopping the run, but – I think another reason why I am going to go with this one is because if you're the Giants, like if you feed Saquon, run out a lot of clock and just keep the ball for a good amount of time, there is no doubt in my mind they're winning this game. Absolutely. Totally. Totally. And, and, but I will say, take, take a couple shots. I mean, you're right. Rely on the run game more Mm -hmm. strategically, but. Go ahead, do do a couple of those Hodgins plays from a, uh, the other week. Just don't yeah. do three passes in a row on downs. That's not going to work. By the way, I also want to say it just because you know it's my obligatory key to the game, and Tom knows exactly where I'm going with this. Please get off the field on third down. I know I haven't really yes. had to use it as much earlier on in the season because the Giants are really good at defending third down. But this game, it's for a playoff spot. I think I kind of need to bring back my uh, obligatory key to the game now. Get off the field. I mean, all we got last year trying to get off the field on third down, forget about it. Oh, gosh. Colts were 0 for 10 last week on third down, if I'm not mistaken. So we have, a better, look, we have a better defense than the Chargers. They got some good yeah. players. We, we have, we're getting the job more so. I, yeah. I think we can beat them. I mean, we probably should. Like, if we don't beat them, it's going to be very depressing. It is. Um, for me, though, I think our one weakness is stopping the run, unfortunately, which has been a strength of the of the Giants historically. Um, I do give Andre Patterson a lot of credit for helping groom up Dexter Lawrence this year. Yes. Um, we, see, we saw what he did with interior guys with the Minnesota Vikings, and now he's doing it here. Um, he's probably one of my favorite assistants, and, to be quite honest, but um, Dalvin Cook averaged – four yards per carry against the Giants, which wasn't bad considering what the Giants have been giving up, but they have the 31st-ranked run defense in the NFL. Even though Jonathan Taylor's done for the rest of the season, that combination of Zach Moss and Deion Jackson could be a problem because there's not much film on either of these guys with the Colts. Neither of them have rushed for over 200 yards. That's a good thing. For the Giants, but it's also an uncertainty situation. Again, you don't have right, much right. on that. 
especially with positioning on defense. I mean, all I ask is this. Yeah. Just the, I don't want the Giants to sleep on anybody, and I doubt they will because of how hungry players that have been here for a long time that have you know, suffered through the losing, how hungry they're going to be this this Sunday. But, like, just no sleep on anybody. I don't care who it is, who's out there. I don't care if it's Foles. The Giants can't look at any guy and say, we got this. This is no chalked off, uh, chalked off win. Again, we're two mistakes away from this being an ugly game. That's, mm-hmm. that's all I'm going to say. That's a great point. Yes. Um, but moving on to our players to watch, Mike, we'll start with you. Then we'll go with to, to Hank, uh, two players to watch for the Colts and then, uh, two for the giants. You brought up one already with Moss uh, as the running back. I'm yeah. a little concerned about that. Uh, the other one I want to bring up is Zaire Franklin. He's the, uh, linebacker for the, uh, Colts mm-hmm. and he is having a phenomenal season himself. He's one guy that they got to be a little bit careful about. They're trying to open up the run game. They're going to have to figure out a way to avoid this guy because he's really getting to the runners this year. Yeah, he's he leads the team 150 tackles, yeah. so he, yeah. he, he is a problem. Probably tackle uh, anything and anything that moves. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right, I am going to go with, for the Colts, I'm going to say Yannick Ngakwe. That guy has nine and a half sacks, forced fumble. Eight tackles for losses. Mm. Be interesting to see how our line does against him and uh, containing him. So that's who I have for the Colts. Yeah, um, I'm going to go with two. Uh, Jelani Woods scares me only because he's a tight end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he's, he's, you can't defend tight ends no matter who it is. So yeah, I, I was going to say. And he is a red zone threat this year. You know, he has three touchdowns, um, should be matched up against Landon. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see if he can develop chemistry with Nick Foles. And then I do think Quentin Nelson is a really, again, I'm biased. Uh, Mike, I know you're a Spartan guy. I'm a Notre Dame guy. Uh, Quentin yep. Nelson's the best guard in football. He, he, he's really, been slow the last couple of years, though. He didn't, I mean, he was injured last year. He's not had a particularly good year. I know he made the Pro Bowl. But there's a lot of talk now about his contract that's coming up. Yeah, I mean, fifth-year guy like Saquon. So right. I like him. I also like Stephon Gilmore. Hell, I'll throw a third in there. I mean, guy's been really good in pass coverage. The Colts' defense has been their strength for the most part. Totally. Their totally. only the strength. They've won four games. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right, they gave a 35-point comeback or whatever that was, but, you know, oh, well. <laughs> And the reason, and people are like, oh, well, they have three receivers over 500 yards and Pittman, Pierce, and Campbell, but they're playing from behind half the time, right? Yeah. They get so, and so neither of those behind. guys is the guy, so therefore they're dividing it equally. Yeah. But now we'll go with two for our G men, Mike. All right. This is, I'm going to have to run after this one, unfortunately, guys. Again, appreciate you having me on, but. Yeah, no uh, problem. Cool. All right. So, uh, Mike, we'll, do, we'll let you go, and then we'll get your two. All right. Sounds good. Um, all right. So for the Giants players to watch, I am going to go with – and I think you guys kind of knew I was going to say this player because I talked about how important it was for them to get the running game going. Got to go with my guy, Andrew Thomas, number oh, seven. Yeah. And as far as my other giant, for that's going to be a key to watch. And um, 
Tom, I feel like I'm stealing this from you, but keep in mind I'm doing this for a reason, and that reason being was I said as far back as like the second half of the season that he was going to start to break out. Give me Kayvon Thibodeau. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, Bernard Ryman and Braden Smith will have their hands full. That's all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. But, um, Mike, could you give us two before you hop off here, and then we'll uh, let you go? Absolutely. Aziz, I need that man forcing turnovers like he always does. It's going to be a big one, a big impact on the edge. Uh, then on the offensive side of the ball, I want Hodges to have that Victor Cruz Eagles game 2011. And I can see that this this is that game. Make himself stretch the field. Don't just get a bunch of yards. I want to see him get a couple touchdowns. That'd be nice. Tied first on the team of three. Seven I big plays as well. <laughs> Only seven games played. Quickly for me, Daniel Jones and Dexter Lawrence. Amen. Uh, those are my two, hands down. But Mike, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Totally, guys. You, as always, make sure to follow Mike at SpartanMike96 on on Twitter. And, uh, Mike, one more time, where can people find New York Giants Rush? You can just find us, New York Giants Rush, uh, on Twitter. And then, you know, on YouTube, it's the same thing. New York Giants Rush. We got the Giants Guys podcast. Uh, and we got a lot of fun content. So, again, guys, thank you so much. Go Giants. I hope we win this. And I hope we are, it'll be so cheerful for this fan base after all these years, man. Go Big Blue. Absolutely. And, hey, enjoy the game Sunday. Thank you very much, guys. Take care. All right. Happy New Year. You too. All right. That was Spartan Mike. Um, Always a fun chat with him. Hank, um, yeah, I I think Mike brought up a good point with Isaiah Hodgins. I knew he was probably going to take him. But, um, Mm -hmm. again, I think the Colts have a lot working against them here. The Giants are getting healthier. You know, with Dory, Aziz, and Leonard all getting healthy. You know, X, he won't play this week, but, you know, he's also uh, getting healthier now. He's back practicing. The Colts will be without Ashton Doolin, unfortunately, who took that uh, brutal hit from Derwin James on Monday Night Football. James got ejected for it. Um, So he's in concussion protocol. Tight end Kyle Granson with an ankle injury. He did not participate today. And then one of their starting corners and Kenny Moore II also did not practice with an ankle injury. So, Hank. Yes. Um, what's your score prediction? My score prediction. Oh, boy. This is um, – I'm going to give you another, like, relatively low-scoring-ish game. I'm going to say the Giants win by a final score of, let's say, 22 to 13. I like it. So you have Giants, 22 – it's not going to be dominant, but I think it'll be yeah. low scoring to the point where the Giants eventually pull away. They get that late touchdown. Meadowlands goes nuts. And yeah. Oh, man. I can't believe we're talking about a possible playoff spot, but I also got to like try to stay a little level headed because, you know. I'm going 24 13 G men. Uh, Daniel Jones throws a couple touchdown passes. Um, Hodgins and Bellinger will be my two picks. Um, I think the Colts are going to struggle. They're going to turn the ball over early. I think they have one good drive where they score a touchdown in this game. I just don't think they're equipped to beat this team. The Giants are locked in. They're determined right now. That home crowd is going to be rocking on Sunday at MetLife Stadium to open up 2023, and the Giants will be making their first playoff appearance in six seasons. So, folks, I like that. 
that's going to wrap up the show for tonight. Um, you know, apologies that Sam couldn't join us. She'll be back next week. Spartan Mike, always a fun chat. Want to thank him a lot for joining us. Quick reminder. If you're new and you like what you watch, make sure to check us out on all of our social media. I know we had some new watchers tonight. Uh, you can watch us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Big Blue Avenue. We hope everybody is enjoying the holidays. Um, Garth comes in here and says, goal. Uh, yes, we know the Lightning just scored. And um, we did have, did have a comment from Sean Militello. Just want to address this. Sean, I, I, I know, I'm not sure if you're still in the chat here now, but um, you know, Daniel Jones is starting to prove that he is the future of this football team. And I'm very, very happy to say that. And our good buddy, Brian McArdle from the Stan Sports, our uh, website manager here at Review and Preview Sports. Good show, boys. Go big blue. Hank, any final thoughts? Oh, man, I I'm still kind of nervous for this game. I am yeah. not going to lie, but. Let's not kid ourselves. This is a good thing. I have been longing to go into a Sunday with this sort of feeling. And oh man, I would love, I would love to somehow be able to find a way to make it to this game too, just to be able to join in on the celebration if we win. But then again, I know Tom, you're probably giving me a look like I have three heads with that idea. Hey, the giants can still win. If you don't attend this game, and the Giants can still win if you attend this game. Both can be true. Both can be true. You're damn right. And without further ado, let's go Big, Big Blue. Blue.